I knew that business was a skill that had to be acquired over time. And the best way to do it is to just start dipping your toe in, starting that blog, starting that side hustle, starting that thing that doesn't necessarily require your full attention. And so that's where I got rolling, knowing that because I'd seen my parents do it, that there's no failure. There's just a heap of learning. So you just keep going. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today's episode, we have Lauren Trelin, and she is actually someone who I'm in a program with. I always have personal connections, right? Not always. That's not true. Um, and well, this was our first conversation, and Lauren, ha- it was a great conversation. She is a badass coach, a badass entrepreneur, and also comes from a lawyer background. Um, so super high achieving, super high type A. So you know, I kind of look at this episode as like a pseudo guest lecture episode, but also um, I really resonated with a lot of what she had to say about achievement and going far. And you know, getting the thing that you thought you wanted and realizing maybe that wasn't the case. But she also comes from an entrepreneur background. Her parents were migrants and they built businesses from scratch. So you're going to learn a lot from her from the, I believe, angle of, you know, there is no such thing as failure, which we've talked about on this show before. Um, Isaiah Hankel's episode really goes into that too. But she did multiple businesses gave it a shot in various cases. And here's the kicker that I think a lot of you will associate with and connect with is she built a business while she was a full-time lawyer. And then she also surprises us and tells us that she actually negotiated part-time work at her law firm. And they were just like blown away because no one's ever done that before, right? So in a field like law where they're constantly overworking people and it's push, 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 go, 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 you know, become a partner. And she was like, wait, do I really want that? So I think you're really going to resonate with that. And she also gives a bunch of tips for how do you build a business on the side? How do you make the leap or the jump? And what does that look like? And so we reflect on that together. And I think it's a really great episode for the mindset of the work that needs to be done around building a business and how, um, you know, keep going, keep going, keep trying. And then also like what things can be in place you know, as you work to build this business while you're working full time and you might be stressed and overworked and tired, but it's possible. It's a choice. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, we will have Lauren Trelin and our interview together. All right. I am really thrilled to welcome Lauren Trelin today. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing today? I'm amazing. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Yay. We're in a community together, right? We're both in Scale with Success. Yeah. And I'm excited to hear her story. Um, it's a little bit different of an angle. Um, she's not coming from the academy, but she's coming from what is a very parallel profession. And I think many of us have a lot of friends who are lawyers who went down that path of going into law school and had these visions of being a lawyer. And then maybe you made different decisions. <laughs> so yes. we're definitely going to dive in that today. Um, and she's also running um, two businesses, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So we'll talk about um, some of the decisions that she made in her journey. Um, I'm just really excited to learn more about you and, and chat with you. Thank you. So on Academics It Means Business, we always talk about our education. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd love to hear a, a little bit about Lauren and why she decided to become a lawyer. You know, anything you studied in school that really, 
I don't know, like was kind of the thing you became passionate for. Any kind of discussion about your background in education, um, that's a great starting point on the show. Awesome. So um, I think the best place to start is probably that I grew up in a family business. Mm. So I saw my, my, both my parents are Croatian migrants and I saw them build a business from scratch Mm. and what that it allowed us to be able to do as a family. So that was the best testing ground for any ideas that you had, any creativity. And I love that. So I was addicted to that from a very, very young age. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and I always knew that I was going to be successful on some Mm. level. Um, from a very young age. And I remember getting hold of a career manual when I was probably around nine, 10 years old and going and looking at which career would pay me the most so I could have this incredible life, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. And there were two options. One One was to be a judge or a coroner. No way. Really? <laughs> yes. And All I right. That, I didn't know I coroners my- were raking in the cash. I had well, no idea. Apparently they are according <laughs> to this career manual. And um, I went up to my dad. I was like, so I've got two options. I'm either going to be a judge or I'm going to run a business or I'm going to be a coroner. And he was like, well, you're not going to be a coroner. Mm-hmm. Let's check that off <laughs> the so list. scrap that idea. And then that's how I planted this seed in my mind that the best path for me to go forward on was to become a lawyer because mm-hmm. I was a smart kid. Mm-hmm. And so I think I made that decision when I was around nine, 10 years old and mm. always loved being an advocate for people, loved you know any sort of intellectual debate. And so it seemed like having gone through the education system in that age, that there were just very limited options to me available to me and that that was the best option. Interesting. I love it. And mm-hmm. like you, you definitely have this energy of like, oh, I just decided, right? And yeah. <laughs> I was smart and I knew I would be <laughs> successful. So I'm going to pick the thing that is going to make me the most, the most money. I love that. Yeah. So, so you go into uh, get, getting your Juris Doctorate, right? You go into schooling and stuff. What's happening yes. around that time, timeline? Well, firstly, it's a six-year degree in Australia. So I did it combined with a commerce degree. got in there and I was like, this is like learning a foreign language. Mm. It didn't really gel with me. Um, I found myself really bored, a very different personality type to a lot of the other students there. So I actually started my first business at that time. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about that. What, what, was going through your mind as you're working really hard, right? Like getting really hard, really hard. Where did you find (laughs) the time to start a business? I I just needed a creative escape. And so Mm. then I was doing a bit of a gaps analysis. I saw that my dad who ran a construction company had some terrible marketing happening. The brand needed a revamp. Um, His display homes were being decorated in a way that I didn't think was up with the times. So Mm. I just went to my dad with a proposal. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I need more information on that. Yeah. Okay, so your dad hires you, obviously. My dad hired me. Yeah. yeah. And so then he was like the best client to have, but also the worst. I bet. I couldn't imagine working with my father. That yeah, there were a lot fun. of arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it was a great way for me to get my foot in the door in business and to have a pre-established business to be able to start playing around with while still studying full-time. Got it. So did you go out and go, I'm going to build this? Or was your dad kind of the outlet to bring in some extra money and play with it? Or were you like actively looking for clients also while you were working? I think it was more so that because I was so immersed and passionate about that business myself that I saw that he desperately needed help and Mm. I knew that he would be able to pay me. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. So I just went to him with this idea. And to be honest, I really did it initially because it was that creative outlet that Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting from studying a law Mm -hmm. commerce degree. 
and I loved it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you you kind of do this side business, really like mm. to 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 have the creative outlet. When yes. did it become more, or like when did you or did you decide that you were gonna? Yeah, I guess the question is maybe the question is more like. Mm. When you finished your degree, what did you decide to do? Yeah, that's really interesting because in my final semester of university, my dad actually passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And so that was a massive life catalyst moment, Um, a really big turning point in my life where Mm -hmm. I had just come out of a law degree. I had been offered a graduate position at a large law firm Mm. and- I really began questioning whether or not that was actually what I wanted yep. to be doing. Yeah. So I took the job um, because I needed to pull my life together. And I spent, it wasn't until I got to, so in Australia, we get admitted as legal practitioners after a year's worth of additional study while we're okay. working. Okay. And so then I, the day that I got that certificate and I was admitted as a lawyer in Australia, I was like, what's next? Mm. Mm-hmm. And so that was the moment for me where I felt like I checked off all these things that I, I thought mm-hmm. I needed to do. And it was time for me to start exploring what I actually wanted to do. Oh my gosh, that's huge. I literally mm-hmm. remember the day I asked myself the same question. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay, a big I day. did it all. <laughs> now yeah. what? Yeah. Now what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've got the certificate. I thought I, this is what I wanted. And now like, what's next? What's bigger? Mm-hmm. And I recall having a conversation with my boss, my mm-hmm. the partner that I was working for. And he told me essentially that I was partnership material based on the work that I was doing Mm. and if that was something that I wanted. And I sat there and I thought, gosh, if this guy thinks I'm partnership material at this law firm, what am I really capable of? Yeah. And so that was my, once again, like when the the penny dropped for me and I was like, I got to figure out a way to get out of here. All right. So what'd you do next? I started a few businesses that failed. (laughs) miserably. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit? We don't have to go through like every business and every decision, but like, because that's also something I like to point out on this show that Mm -hmm. we, when you take a risk, like starting a business, I think Isaiah Hinkle is a, is a recent guest and he talked about that too. There's a lot of missteps, but those missteps are really launching points for the next thing. So if you have any kind of insight around that time and maybe how long it lasted and how you supported yourself, through some things working and then not working or whatever kind of insight you have that would be helpful. Absolutely. I think the first point being that you don't realize how all of these missteps or mistakes actually add up to giving you a really incredible skill set once you do get it right and once you've gathered enough momentum for your business to be working. So the decision back in the day while I was still at university to work for my dad and do his rebrand and marketing and everything else ended up being a very important first step in the process, but it seemed like not very consequential at the time. Mm. Um, Even with, so the next business I started was an events business. I was essentially a matchmaker for young professionals. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I saw a gap in the market. So I I did that while working full-time and it seemed like a really good fit in the sense that it was something that I could just do every now and then. So Mm. I knew that business was a skill that had to be acquired over time And the best way to do it is to just start dipping your toe in, you know, starting that blog, starting that side hustle, starting that thing that doesn't necessarily require your full attention. And Ah. so that's where I got rolling. 
um, knowing that because I'd seen my parents do it, that mm. there's no failure. There's just a heap of learning. So you just keep going. Oh, and I love I, that. And I think that one of the biggest things was I was so aware that everyone was sort of observing me from, mm. from afar, um, watching all of my failures but I, I knew that I just had my, the key was just to keep going. So I just kept going and I started another business. And that was actually the catalyst for me leaving the law. It was what I sort of saw as my escape, escape road that would launch me into the world of entrepreneurship where I'd known I'd wanted to be for a very, very long time. So mm. that was an online marketplace in a market that wasn't quite ready for what I'd created. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I knew it probably wasn't going to work out, but once again, it became the the inspiration, all the key learnings that I got from that. I I moved straight into the business that I now run um, that I'm absolutely in love with. Mm. So if you don't mind us going back to the Maybe the time when you did decide to leave, because you did say that, like I, so was there a moment when it clicked where you're like, this is going to be big and this is my exit. And then what was, what was going through your mind? I mean, to paint a picture too, and what I'm hearing in your story is you also Mm -hmm. had family support and you saw how this works out. Like you saw where, um, I think a lot of people listening in the podcast um, because we chose this academic route, we didn't know other options. And yes. so for us, we might be the first family members to be making this scary choice. So I'd like to he- hear what was going through your mind as you were quitting. Like, you mm-hmm. know, um, were you worried about what other people thought or maybe the opposite of that? I don't know. Anything around that yeah. um, actual moment when you're like, I'm leaving this and I'm going out on my own. Yes. Um, I think the first key was that I had to reframe my definition of failure. And I remember sitting in that, in my office, I was miserable. I used to call my mom and be very dramatic, close the door and be like, (laughs) my soul is being sucked Mm. out of me. (laughs) And she'd be like, just go back to work. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so for me sitting in that room, I had to come to terms with the fact that actually it wasn't going to be a failure for me to go off and follow what I knew Mm. I had to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, my legal career was going to play a big part in that. And yes. I now realize how fundamental it was for me to have had that experience and that career, but it, it did have to start with me reframing my definition of failure. And secondly, you might have picked up on the fact that I'm very strategic. Mm-hmm. So I didn't just leap. I had a whole, you know, 18 month plan in place this for is facilitating huge, yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. And I thought very carefully about it. I was working with a mentor at the time who happened to be working at the law firm that I was at and I told him my plan. And so we would meet up regularly once a month to check in on the progress that I was making towards taking this leap. And Mm. so it's little things. It's everything from like, if you know you're leaving full-time employment and going into um, starting a business, making sure that you have enough runway, being that, you know, um, financial f- um, money to get you off the ground, um, family support, mm-hmm. um, the right mentoring, the right mm. acquiring the right skills, doing whatever you have to do to be ready to take the leap. Oh, I love this. This is so valuable. And it's not how I did it. 
So, <laughs> I'm like a not planner. I'm also like, but I, but I am very intuitive. So yes. I, I see too. I like, I knew I was going to make it and that yes. everything was going to be okay. So yes. depending on, um, and what I love about, I think if you are a planner, planning actually is security for you. Right. Totally. Um, and for me, planning is, um, I don't know. It, it feels limiting. And, and I think there's just different, you know, maybe it's personality. Maybe it's like, I think it's also comfort with risk, maybe a little bit too. Um, and I just saw me staying in for X number more months was just holding me back. So it was like, totally. I'm all in. And so I love this because I think I'm sure there's a ton of listeners that are like, I could never do what Lindsay did. Mm. And you're a demonstration of that. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Um, so my, I guess my next question is, if you have any advice or tips about how to divide up your time, I know yes. too. See, the thing is, it's so funny. All the professors listening right now know that we have some freedom um, in time that yes. most people that work a nine to five don't. And lawyers, at least in, in the States, tend to overwork and very yes. early in their career, right? They're working 80 hour weeks. Yes. Where did you find the time to work and test out um, like ideas in the marketplace. Um, where did you, how did you manage that? How did you make room and space for that in your life? This is where you get really crafty. Um, mm. I have this belief, and I think this is a fundamental part of this process, and you sort of touched on it, is that my success is inevitable. Mm. And yep. I just know that whatever comes across my path, I will find a way to get through it. And so one of the decisions that I made was that I was going to do what no one else was willing to do and I would go home at night and not turn mm. on the television. I would at least do an hour of planning for my business. Mm. And so I cut out a whole heap of distractions and was just so focused on it, um, yep. in, in at least getting the initial s stages sorted. And I did everything from drafting my terms and conditions in the business to, mm -hmm. you know, building out the tech, like everything, right? And when it came down to the later stages of that, I just got really good at having clear boundaries. Mm. I think boundaries are clear. Like I could have hung around at work like everyone else was doing yep. the FaceTime and yep. making sure that they were seen or I was going to be long-term and strategic about mm. how I operated and I left work at a reasonable hour, yep. got in really early, got my work done and then just left. Oh my gosh. I love this because what's funny is that's what I did as well mm. with when I was working full-time. What happens in academia is... It's we do have a lot of free time and then we're expected to be on lots of committees or to yeah. serve, you know, as a student advisor or to do extra research. Right. Yeah. And we have contracts that say exactly how we're supposed to split up our time. We're, mm -hmm. we're unionized. Right. And so yeah. what I saw was a lot of overgiving. And so I yes. think what I'm hearing, and this may be true um, in your like career, that the overgiving that happens as a lawyer is to try to get partner, right? So if yes. that's not your end goal, you yes. can just cut the, I don't have to be the last person here because that is not what I'm shooting for. And that totally. can be the same thing for an academic. You can put up, you know, I'm only going to give truly 10% of my work week to one committee, I'm not going to be on three or I'm not going to be in charge of the committee, which takes way more hours. And, yeah. um, and we can make those decisions because we know that maybe our end goal is starting a side hustle. Maybe it's not to leave the academy. Maybe you want to keep this and you want a, just a side job, a, a way to bring in extra money. 
either way, you still need boundaries. And and that's a choice that you get to make in your career. I love that. Yeah. And it is a choice and it's one that should be used really wisely, especially if you know where it is that you want to be headed. One other thing that I did, which was quite unheard of in my law firm, Mm. was that I actually went into my boss. We were a little bit quieter and I negotiated a part-time work situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I recall um, a few of the seniors being like, well, that's never been done before because (laughs) you haven't just had a child. You know, you're a junior lawyer, but I was so determined. Why would you do that? (laughs) Why would I do that? And I was like, well, I've got the, I've put some savings aside. My Mm. business is this dream that I want to create. I'm sitting there at work, not really doing a lot because we're going through a quiet patch. And so I've always just been good at, there's so many opportunities available to us Mm. if we want to see them. Yeah. Part of me is like, what, like, even just like putting it out there, what, what can I make? What is possible? Right. Even if no one's ever done it, what can I ask for? What do I need to feel supported? And what you're basically demonstrating is this idea of no one's even ever thought of it, (laughs) (laughs) which also means you're probably doing something right. Right. Like you're going against the culture of overwork and all that stuff. And and as you know, being a lawyer and so then, and, and just asking, you know, and just yes. literally putting it out on the table, like this is also available to me. I don't have to leave fully, but I totally. also don't need to be dependent upon it. Yeah. Um, I and, love and, that. And That's these so are the cool. reasons why, you know, you'll benefit from me being here part time. Yep. It's just, yep. it all comes down to to looking for the, the value add, right? And um, mm. it was pretty audacious of me looking back now, but for sure. Uh, <laughs> but it got the outcome that I needed and it mm. was a great stepping stone. Mm. I love it. So, I'm curious, like when it clicked for you, um, you kind of alluded to, I could, I could feel it in your voice when you started to like, be like, oh, and now I'm doing what I love. So tell me about that time. So you, you make the leap, you're feeling good. You've, you're, you know, strategically did it. You feel secure. What's the, what's the next part of this journey that you want to share with us? Oh, I think you probably missed the part where I was having a meltdown at my mom's house. Yeah. Tell us that also. <laughs> so I think the biggest, the scariest thing is when you leave a full-time role, a sense, and this happens to a lot of people, um, a part of their identity is a little mm-hmm. bit shaken. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you had this full-time role, all of a sudden you were asking for permission or feeling like you had to be somewhere at a certain time. And then now you don't have a role. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, tr- you're trying to launch this business. You feel really vulnerable. You haven't done this before. And I spent a, a lot of time. I remember the first week that I quit my job, my mom just recalls me like crying on her sofa. Mm. Um, and I had moved out of my apartment actually in order to make sure that I had enough runway I to bet. be able yeah. to get my business off the ground. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I'd lost a lot of my freedom mm. to make this dream come true. Which you were probably trying to... Be like, I'm doing this for freedom. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, wait, I accidentally <laughs> made it worse. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm like, now I'm living yep. with my mom again. Like, what did yeah. I do? And yeah. But I knew that after doing all my uh, analysis of what my best options were, that initially seemed like the worst option possible. That was option like E or F. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm never making this decision, but it ended up being a really great decision for me that was going to work well for me in the long term. So I think that part of this process is realizing that there are going to be un- some uncomfortable decisions that you have to yeah. make along the way yep. Yep. and it's totally fine. Yep. Yep. It's it's not it's not smooth sailing. I then moved to Sydney and realized started working with a business coach and realized that this business without substantial investment and funding was going to have a really hard time getting off the ground. 
So I had my next sort of round of meltdowns. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> There's a pattern here. There's a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> it is a roller coaster. It really is. Yeah. And so then mm-hmm. I took a life sabbatical and I was like, well, mm. the and it was I, I thought it was going to be a two-month sabbatical, but it was about a six-month one. Mm-hmm. And it was mainly a time I just gave myself some breathing space to have a really good think and reflect on what worked about my legal career, what didn't work in my businesses, what I wasn't quite getting right, mm. and what I what I needed to do in order to launch a really successful business because I was done with the failures. Yeah, oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so then that exploration process culminated in me figuring out what my vision was for my life, what my core values were, and what my purpose was. Mm. And it sounds really simple, but Having a clear mission and purpose became the ultimate decision-making tool that I could use to figure out what kind of business I needed to build next. And that's how I became an accidental coach. There you go. Okay. Mm. So tell us about it. I love that you use that word because we use it on this podcast a lot. Like oh, yeah? I always say I accidentally started a business. Yes. I wasn't looking for it. So, yeah. okay. So tell us about that. Uh, so I, I knew that I wanted to run businesses that bec- that was very, very clear to me. Mm. I just wasn't sure how I could do it in a way that really aligned best with what I was good at, what my genius was, where my skill set was at. And I recall mm-hmm. working with my business coach and we were getting really clear on how I wanted to be of service. Mm-hmm. And one thing that he said to me was, Lauren, I think you'd make a great coach based on what mm-hmm. you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I had so much resistance to it. I was like, no, no, no. Like I can't see myself working one-on-one with people. I don't want to go back to school, blah, blah, blah. And he told me to go do some research and I contacted the coaching institute in uh-huh. Australia. Got there and realized that it was totally the thing that I'd wanted to be doing for a very long time. Yeah. So it I just mean, you're, clicked. You're- your background and experience, I think, lends itself really well too. even yes. just like the the lots of tries that you gave this whole thing and like the yeah. that inner knowing of like, I will be successful. That's stuff that people need a lot of help with. Yeah, totally. And I mm-hmm. sort of my whole life had been bringing me to that point. Um, yeah. with all the things that I loved, all the things that I was interested in, my life experiences, like I've crammed a lot into a few decades, mm-hmm. um, good and not so good. Mm-hmm. And so I was just so ready. And so I hit the ground running with that business and coaching became a really powerful tool that mm. I could use to help as many people as possible. I love that. Where yeah. does the, because you mentioned at one point in, in this conversation that being a lawyer and going through what you went through and what you studied and your skills, like mm. um, how is that benefiting you in, in this, like being a coach? Like it, it, to me, it's funny, like on mm. paper, it doesn't feel like it fits. So I'm curious yes. how you see your skill set that you gained from going through that and have in that stage or, or phase of your life, how is it benefiting you in running a coaching business? I think in many ways, going down the really challenging path of doing a law finance degree helped round uh, me up. Mm-hmm. So I'm naturally more of like the creative visionary, big picture thinker, um, don't get me caught up in the details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and doing a law degree and having to focus so intensely on something can get really clear about how you form your thoughts and your strategies and long-term thinking. Um, I think that's been an enormous benefit to the work that I do. And I know that my clients really appreciate that I can be out there and talk about um, the mindset or even the spirituality Mm. piece of things, but then I can be very practical on the business strategy level. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, man, if I, if I was looking for a coach, 
It's so funny too. Like I think about, cause I'm totally the, the creative, the big picture, yeah. the visionary kind of, but I also studied like, so I, I'm a sociologist. My background is in sociology, but also study like cool. education as an institution. So very like big mainstream, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I've always been zoomed out and not zoomed in. So that is something though that's missing. And I think a lot of CEOs are the visionaries, right? And they are missing that like strategic piece. So you get me. And you can help with the strategic, practical, these are the things you need in in order to make that vision happen. So that is a really great mix. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's necessary even in business to be able to dance between the two. Yep. And do it comfortably until you have the ability to hire team members Mm -hmm. that can take on certain roles for you. Yes. A thousand percent. And that Mm. is tough. And that's where I'm, as I'm writing this down, like that's where a lot of us who accidentally start a business who like didn't study it and and like whatever, this is where it's like finances and making those kind of decisions um, that we really struggle with. Yeah. And finance is a big one. Huge. Huge. Really big. Yep. And you mentioned too, like talking about going from being a full-time salaried, right? Employee Mm -hmm. to then being on your own. That shift is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. And I didn't, really know what was happening. But looking back, I now know what was happening. But yeah, that's it's such a different way of being with like the money is coming through you and the labor you're doing. Yes. Versus I'm serving the institution and my students. And then I just like get this paycheck. And it was like, yay, easy. Yeah. <laughs> and then and it, it, it is and then easy it in hindsight. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. In hindsight. Exactly. <laughs> it was easy until it wasn't like I was yes. stifled, which I think is what a lot of people feel like they recognize, oh, like when you said, oh my gosh, that line you said of like, what, what am I capable of when people start to see how good I am at some of the things I can do? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I capable of? Yeah, yeah. And I think the big, the big thing that I was running through my head was if it was going to take me 10 years to get to partnership, mm. what could I achieve in the 10 years of doing it on my own? Ooh, that's and a I, big question. And I already knew it was going to be so much bigger than like fighting it out in that law firm, which because yeah. it's, it's essentially like fighting it out, right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. In that competitive space that was draining all of my energy because it wasn't, it wasn't natural to me. Mm. What would you say to someone who's feeling like, man, I might be bigger than this job mm. that I chose or chose me? Like, what would you say to somebody? I think one of the big turning points in all of this was because of what I had experienced with my dad and what I was going Mm -hmm. through with my family still at the time, Mm -hmm. my boss actually recommended that I go see a psychologist to support Mm -hmm. me because he'd been through something similar and it had never Mm -hmm. crossed my mind to seek Mm -hmm. support. And then I remember that first day that I sat in the room with my psychologist and we started talking, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. Someone to hold space for me, for me to figure out who I truly am and then how to go about making it happen. Mm. And it wasn't until I think she prompted me with the question that she asked around, Lauren, it sounds like you're really passionate about business. Should you maybe be doing that instead that the the penny mm. dropped for me? Mm-hmm. That some, I felt mm-hmm. like someone had finally seen who I was as opposed to who I was pretending to be. Mm. Oh, wow. That's really powerful. And then with that support and the support of my family, I had such a structure created around me to help me take that leap. And I think that's the biggest thing. Mm. I know, especially lawyers and and that, and that personality type, we're so used to doing things on our own when Mm -hmm. 
it, it, we we tend to not take action if we're just trying to figure things out on our own. It requires a whole team. Mm-hmm. And so I remember calling my mom on the day of the days before I was going to quit and saying, I'm going to quit. Will you take care of me in case I run out of money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what? what's the worst possible thing that could happen, right? Totally. Exactly. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I do the same thing with my brother. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, of course. Yeah. And so then- <laughs> Like I just, you'll ne- you won't be out on the street. You no, have somewhere to live. Totally. You'll be taken care of. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. then I just took the leap mm-hmm. and haven't looked back. It's been the best decision ever. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So tell us a little bit about what your business looks like now, like what your income streams are and that kind yes. of thing. I also like to share with people like, yeah, just di- different ways people are running businesses and making money online. Mm, I think the biggest thing that I've learned on my entrepreneurial journey is that unlike corporate or academia, there really isn't a linear path to follow. Nope. And yep. that is what really excites me. So for example, I think I made like $60,000 in my first year of business, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was great compared to mm-hmm. like all my other failed endeavors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, didn't match my salary. But then the following year, it became so much easier to very easily double that, right? Yeah. And this mm-hmm. year, I'm being crazy enough to aim for 10 times what I yep. what I did last year. And this is why I came up with this concept of um, this idea of you can take a quantum leap. You don't have to follow a linear path and that your pre-existing skill set is incredibly powerful. And then yes. if you get the right business model in place, there's no stopping you. Oh my gosh. I love that. I'm like, that is that might be your like cut remove. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's the quote, the quote pull. Um I it's so true and I so believe that. And I think, and part of me, one side of me, I mean, this is why this podcast exists, because mm-hmm. one side of me is like, man. We are talented, educated, smart, critical yes. thinkers. Like, what would it look like if we had enough confidence to run a business with, totally. the, with the way we see the world, right? Yeah. And so that, and and most like gut reaction though, or part of me, I guess my fear that came up when I was starting a business is I have no idea what I'm doing. Yes. But what what is missing in that is oh, look at everything you have done up until this point. Totally. Like, you know, and like, yes, I have a lot of young entrepreneur friends who are in their early 20s. And it's like, man, if I knew what they knew <laughs> at like early 20s, this would this would have been a whole different game. Yeah. But it's like, no, like I'm here because of the decisions I made. And if I didn't have this degree and I didn't go through this, I wouldn't need this podcast literally wouldn't exist. Totally. So then you start looking backwards and it's like, we have we have such an asset. Mm. Um, and rather than seeing it as, I don't know anything, I don't know how to run a business or one mantra or like negative self-talk that I have and I've been dealing with is, I am not a good CEO. I'm mm. a bad CEO. Terrible, right? And, yeah. and you bring up therapy, totally working with a therapist on mm. that because I know how damaging it is. Yes. When that comes up, and I'm trying to make a decision in my business, I can't have that voice come in. That is the worst possible thing for me to move forward. Yeah. So I love that you're bringing it. You put it so clear. Like we have, you know, it, people that have gone far in education, have done, you know, the things, have had a career, have made different choices are also really valuable in entrepreneurship. Absolutely. And needed. Needed. Yes. Yeah. So needed. So yeah. So what... What kind of services do you do? What is your business made up of right now? So funnily enough, I got started with life coaching and that Mm -hmm. seemed like a really good entrance point because despite my experience in business, I didn't feel like I was ready to be a business coach. Mm, So I, and and I think this is a great place to start in having a really clear packaged offering. This is part of what I teach coaches now 
is that go to the market with something that you feel comfortable to share. I love that. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was talking about purpose and genius. Yeah. Because that was the thing, the the huge kind of tipping point for me in my life and having clarified that. And so I just started telling people in my personal network that I was now working as a coach, helping people figure out their purpose. And I didn't even have a website or business cards Mm -hmm. and I already started Mm -hmm. signing clients. Yes. And that was when I knew I was like, oh, I'm onto something this time yep. around. I just knew, yep. right? It felt so aligned with with my um, what I wanted to create in the world. Um, it energized me. It felt mm. really, it felt really aligned. And then I knew that I just had to keep filling in the skill set gaps. Mm-hmm. And I just kept going from there. Yep. I love that. Keep filling in the skill set. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not personal. Nope. Mm-mm. And that's the biggest thing. Like I'm just because I made a mistake. It's not personal. Business isn't personal. It's simply mm-hmm. that I didn't have the skills that I needed mm-hmm. or a lot happens on the mindset level. This is mm-hmm. a mindset journey, a hundred percent, a mindset journey that needs yep. to probably be cleared or worked on or improved um, yep. in order to get you to the next place. Awesome. All right. So then how are you scaling this year? What are you, what are you working Ooh. on? What are you putting out there? Yeah. So I think there's two elements to this that I just, I wish I knew about earlier. Mm. <laughs> Firstly <laughs> is the, it's the importance of team. So mm. I've spent the last two months getting a whole team of people into place, which I was, yep. I was working with some of them previously. So by the way, I've only been in business for just over two years with this yep. one. Yep. And it's amazing how quickly things can shift, how it feels yes. like things are moving so slowly in that first year. Yes. And now, you know, year three, I've got a whole team of around 10 people that I absolutely love and adore that mm-hmm. are helping me pull the pieces together. So this year, my offering is um, I'm launching an evergreen course mm-hmm. um, similar to what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I've got a group coaching program and then premium one on one coaching. And so I'm really happy with that at the moment. Um, and I, I, I'm also building out all of the systems and processes to mm-hmm. make sure that that can run really smoothly. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing, the biggest part of this, and this isn't to scare anyone, mm-hmm. but it's about the importance of having um, the financial backing and the cash to be able to um, scale rapidly once you're ready for that. Yes. Okay. This is what we experienced as well. Mm-hmm. Cash flow is such, and it's so. Oh gosh, where do I even start with yeah. this? Because part of me is like, I did uh, so not having the finance background, right? So yes. maybe you can provide some insight on this. But let me share, and you probably work with clients on this, but mm. let me frame it for my audience who knows me and kind of knows my business a little bit. Yeah. But for me, it was I started dealing with cash flow stuff in a way that it was it wasn't until I read Profit First that I had ever even really thought about how do you set up accounting? Like, like I thought it was just like money comes in and money goes out. And it's like, well, how are you going to grow, yeah. right? If you're not able to put money back in. Yes. And so I'm curious, like what your um, tips are for, for having that. Like, what are some things and choices that a person can be making in their first year or two of business that will set them up to be able to put money back into the business? Uh, that's really interesting because it's been such a challenge for me. So it's not something mm-hmm. that has come naturally to me. The, sure. the biggest thing, and this is what I'm a massive proponent of, and I talk about it all the time with my clients, is that there are things that you need to do in the first year of business 
Mm. And there are things that you absolutely do not need to do in the first year of business. Mm -hmm. And so one of those, if we use examples, is, you know, spending money on marketing or setting up, you know, particular funnels or online courses or writing that book. I think that the simpler that we can keep it, the better our business is going to be. And so if we use the example of coaches or consultants, the biggest thing that you need to get in place is making sure that you have consistent, stable revenue. Yes. Everything yep. gets taken care of once you've got that in place. Yep. But, you know, I think there's this temptation or this 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 thought that we have that we need to be running like a mastermind and writing a mm. book and like developing this course. But the the reality is that without the cash, you can't do it. Nope. Or you can't do it well. Like, yeah. But yeah, exactly. And you're really going to yep. struggle. So um, I think the good thing is like it can be a lot simpler. and. Yep. If anything, that's a good thing because you really are, you're learning so much in that first year that you're, you're still refining what your product and offering is. And you actually yep. don't want to be spending tens of thousands of nope. dollars putting products out there that you haven't quite refined yet. So it's a gift. It, yes. Yes. So true. Um, I think one of the other things is if you can juggle the balance between the two, um, work and business, awesome. I was more of a, I'm just going to go all in and hustle yeah. to make sure I don't run out of money. Yeah, that's what we did too, yeah. pretty much. And, yep. I, and for me, going in full time has allowed me the time, the, the time that I mm-hmm. really needed to just like set everything up, which I think is going to play out much better in the long term for my business growth and success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because my first semester where I was doing both, where I was working and had basically a full time like consulting business. Yeah. I, uh, it was, you get to the point where you're like, it's validated and you yeah. know what's possible. Totally. And so it becomes like, okay, we could be safe and we, you know, but then it mm-hmm. might cost us a big leap. And you kind of mentioned, that quantum leap can happen with Absolutely. the right things in place. Totally. And so if your goal or your focus, the first year of business is consistency and stability, then, then what does it look like? And I was able to plug almost all the money I made in my business that semester back in because I was like, that's how I'm going to be able to... Um, like, what do I need to get to the next level, right? And what I'm doing now is not what's going to get me to the next level. It needs to be doing the next thing, right? Yeah. And it's it's scary. It's always scary. It is so <laughs> scary. And like, you don't know how the decisions that you're making will serve you. Yeah. I think back to this idea of failure, like there were some investments that I made that it was like, oh, how did that really pan out? Mm. But if you look... There's a lot of this weird stuff where people are like, oh, I bought this course and I didn't like... I It sucked or whatever. And they get all hung up on, oh, I lost money. And part of it is like something about it going out is actually part of what the learning is as well. Um, But if you can rein that in as early as possible and recognize, I think for me, what I wish I would have told myself in those early years is like, you you actually know the answer. Like you don't need to go outside of yourself. Um, You might need, you need like one person on your team. And that is, I, I believe that a good coach that it knows where you're headed and can kind of keep you making decisions and and moving forward is really powerful that first year. Completely. And everything else, like, do you need that course? Do you need to learn the strategy? Do you need the funnel that that person is making look so easy? And the answer is probably no. And so if you can hold on to your cash early on in your business and just head down, work on improving your services, work on consistency, then you're going to build that foundation. And that idea 
didn't really do. Um, and it, it's hot. It's tough. It's tough to to be that focused. But focus, I think, is so key in really launching your business so it can scale. It's like what is shiny object syndrome, which we say a lot. Like what is just a distraction, and yes. what is like really like you? How you opened this was purpose and your why and your mission. If you can stay focused on that and push everything else to the side and say that there will be a time that I write the book, there will be a time that I do the funnel. But right now it's consistency, um, stability, and, you know, validating that what you're doing is helping people. Yeah. And I think if you hold that mission and purpose in place Mm -hmm. and you know that it's inevitable, then you're totally fine with getting through whatever needs to happen in that first Mm -hmm. year. Mm-hmm. You're not going That's to great. mind doing that work. Exactly. Oh, so good. This has been such a fun conversation, <laughs> Lauren. I'm like, that was like you. I love hearing people's stories because part of me is like, oh, it's a lawyer. Like, oh, it's so different than academia. It's actually not. Like, no, it's very, <laughs> very similar. Life, right. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. We're all humans that like start careers and have goals. And then sometimes we realize that they're not enough and there's something else out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would love for you to share what you're working on, where people can find you and connect with you. Also, Ooh, So I'm about to launch my quantum coach program. So Ooh. it's sort of what we discussed, very streamlined mm-hmm. in helping coaches and consultants get to their first hundred thousand, which is oh, sort of seems it. to be the magical number, but yep. in the most streamlined way possible. So mm. cutting out all of the stuff that we talked about, the, the fancy funnels, the digital marketing, mm-hmm. um, just keeping it really simple because those that that first hundred thousand is actually really simple in hindsight mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. it's so easy to overcomplicate it and making sure that you have a clear packaged offering that's priced correctly so you've got the business okay. fundamentals in place so I'm mm-hmm. really excited to put that out there because for me like I know that business is an incredible vehicle for our personal mm-hmm. transformation mm-hmm. and there's no better way to grow as a human being I think than running your own business. Mm. And so I'm very deeply passionate about facilitating that business aspect for people so that they're not ending up in financial struggle or having to go back to a full-time job. Ah, I love it. So that's my like ulterior motive. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So then I'm I'm launching that and then I've got the group program for uh, business owners and entrepreneurs and one-on-one coaching with um, larger businesses. So um, and people can reach me. I love spending time on Instagram. I've got a lot mm. of puppy stories on there. Um, I have a lot to of follow video. you. I don't know if I follow you. Yeah. And so that's probably the that best right place. Like I love the community that I've got me on there. Me too. And also yeah. a Facebook group as well. So oh, ev- cool. everything's under my name, Lauren Trillin. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah. we'll link um, to the stuff that you gave us as well um, um, below. But yeah. Well, thanks for stopping by. This has been really great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for being really open and vulnerable with us um, because, yeah, you've done some amazing things. So it'll be really fun to watch you as well. Thank you. 